Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copybusta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepypodsta, the Creepypasta podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm the host, Jeff, and we're here to talk about some creepypastas. You know all about them from the intro segment. I was looking at my iTunes reviews, and people really don't like that I'm sort of uh, rambly and twitchy and neurotic, and other people extremely do like that. Uh, I noticed something interesting in the iTunes reviews, actually, was criticizing filler words like uh or um or like mm, you're one you're going to have to just get used to that and two i am pretty sure that because of valley girl stereotypes and just in general the reason my podcast is criticized for this is because more than half of my hosts uh guests have been women, uh, and that definitely, I was reading the comments and I was like, hmm, this is suspicious. I've seen these exact types of comments on podcasts hosted by women. Am I doing this because I uh, don't have as many boys on? Is that what's happening? Uh, and I suspect that it is, because the other one-star comments were people being like, I don't like that you have left-wing politics. Uh, well, guess what? I'm going to have left-wing politics until I die. I bleed red, not as in Republican Party, but as in goddamn communist. So, uh, anyway, please leave five-star reviews on iTunes. If you're listening to this and you want to leave a one-star review, what you can do instead is just not leave any review and go listen to a podcast that you like. Joe Rogan's podcast has like 400 episodes. I'm sure you would love it if you don't want to hear uh, me express my opinions or have women as guests. Anyway, that's unrelated to this episode because I have two men on... uh, so, anyway, all of that uh, bloviating is out the window. Here we go. Uh, it's a real boys club. Come on, podcasts. Anyway, I've done enough rambling on this intro. I, um, boy, I don't know why this one went this way. What do we have? Oh, geez, I've been talking for straight up two and a half minutes without stopping. And this is what happens when I don't leave the house for two days and then <laughs> try to record a podcast having not interacted with human beings. Anyway, here we go. I have on the show with me two guests. One of them is returning from a few weeks ago from the Local Legends episode. Uh, please welcome... Oh no, Shane, you have a different last name on Twitter than you do on Facebook, and I just realized that I forgot which one is the correct one. Please welcome Shane, who will tell you his last name now. Hi, Shane Kellen, and I just want to say, you're still pushing that liberal agenda because you have two gay guys on your show. (laughs) Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, we're gonna, um, we're gonna shove your lifestyle down their throats, uh, we're gonna turn their children gay, and it's gonna be, no, uh, well, maybe, I mean, if, if, here's the thing, if you expose children to ideas that they did not know before, and those ideas match what's in their heart, 
Yeah, that's going to have an impact. I mean, you're either going to end up with some out gay children who are happy with themselves, or some closeted gay adults who are extremely unhappy with themselves. Anyway, that's this Emotions. is not a show. <laughs> this is not a show about that. Please also welcome to the show brand new Mike Cole. Hey there. <laughs> I am sorry for my. I was literally wringing my hands as I was speaking, uh, trying to um, uh, both temper my own beliefs and also challenge. Uh, more conservative belief simply by being like, yes, the thing you fear is true, but not for the reason that you think, and also you shouldn't be fearing it. Uh, like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Anyway, we've had, we've got a, a creepypasta here. It's from the No Sleep subreddit. I don't believe it was on the podcast, but it has one of those long titles and the user was deleted, so it may have been on the podcast under a different title. The story was submitted one year ago, according to... Uh, man, I wish it just had straight up had a date on there. But it just says, submitted one year ago. I bet there's a way to find that. I don't... I'm not going to search. Uh, the title of the story is, My Best Friend Was a Girl Crammed in My Ninth Grade Locker. And, Mike, I will ask you to please summarize this story for us, uh, so that we may discuss its uh, merits and faults. Sure. So, my best friend in the ninth grade was a girl I met in my locker. Uh, the The beginning of the story talks about how this kid could not go to sleep because his neighborhood was very noisy. Um, this will come back to play later, but that night was especially loud. First, there was shouting, uh, and then there was a sound of glass shattering, and then screaming, and then silence. Uh, so, he couldn't really go to sleep. And passed out around midnight. Uh, the kid wakes up the next day. Uh, it's near Christmas time, and the dad is hanging up Christmas decorations, and the mom was laying on the couch. Uh, apparently, she has the flu. Um, so the kid goes to school, and the first thing that he does uh, is open up his locker. Now, uh, this this is a part of the story that I really like because he goes into description. Um, just talking about like her broken neck and how everything's bent at 90 degree angles. Uh, yeah, I got a very clear image of what it looked like with this girl in this locker. Yeah. And then definitely like the, um, I like whenever he says like the irregular shape of a demented geometry textbook, it's like, that's, I kind of like that, uh, imagery there. Yeah. They really describe this girl, but he's also oddly calm about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he doesn't freak it's, out. Really, it's interesting. I sort of like these stories where there's one very clear central image, and the author had that image pop into their head fully formed, and then they were like, "How do I fit this into a story?" Yeah, so I definitely like that part of the story, and um, it goes through this awkward interaction of him trying to talk to this girl, um, and she doesn't really. You know, she doesn't really talk. She doesn't really speak anything else to her, uh, to him, uh, except whenever he says, do you need help? And she says, no, I'm not the one who does. Um, she just keeps staring blankly and like not really saying anything until he compliments her. Uh, and then she smiles very slowly. 
um, he eventually kind of gets worried or he he's like, oh, I got to go to a geography test. Uh, and she goes, oh, OK, well, you know, goodbye. And then he kind of shuts the door on her. Uh, he didn't study for that test. Uh, he just did it blindly uh, and then goes home. Didn't go back to the locker because apparently he doesn't need to. Goes home, goes to sleep, uh, wakes up the next day, and the dad is still hanging up Christmas decorations, and the mom is still laying on the couch with the flu. So he goes to the locker again, uh, opens up the door, and starts asking questions, and every time she just doesn't re really respond. Um, but, yeah. She, uh, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I had nothing. Okay. So... Uh, at the end, he says goodbye. He shuts the door. Uh, apparently, he aced that test that he had no answers to. Yeah, this part actually confused me a little bit, but now it makes sense. At first, I was like, oh, did he take another test and not mention it? It was just like, there's a weird amount of space between him saying that he took the test and then saying that he aced Because usually, when, like, if I were to say, yeah, I aced that test, it would be immediately after taking the test knowing that I got all the answers right, not when I got it back, uh, getting a good grade. Like, that's, uh, I don't know. It was just, like, it was weirdly phrased, and I was a little confused. Yeah, the entire twist of the story, like, I fell for it, too. Like, I didn't get it at first until Mike was telling me later. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he asked her, did you do that? Did you help me pass? And so she nodded, uh, to the full extent of her broken twisted neck would allow according to him uh and so that was the beginning of this kind of relationship and so this kid he goes through and he starts asking her little favors um helping out with tests and so he apparently like wrote gibberish and then it comes back with a perfect answer um and she kept smiling uh like more and more like she was happy to do the work for him like she was kind of happy that someone was benefiting um, so now it's the day before Christmas, uh, and he asks her for something special. Uh, he wanted Sarah to, he wanted the courage to ask Sarah out. And so he, whenever he asked, the smile disappeared. Uh, and he wanted to apologize, but he, you know, she, she didn't really accept it and she just nodded. Uh, and so he closes the door and left. So he couldn't go home after school for something. Uh, he starts saying that his memory was kind of leaving him and he couldn't under, he doesn't remember like why he was there. Uh, but then the next. Oh yeah. Cause he was like, it couldn't have been detention. I'm, I'm good. And then he's just like sort of dismisses why he stayed after. Yeah. So he keeps saying like, Oh my head, I can't really remember. It's all hazy. It's all foggy. But uh, he seems to have like, a lot of clarity on like a lot of stuff. Uh, so Christmas morning, apparently he woke up, rushed down the stairs and saw an image of his dad hanging by some rope uh, around his neck on, on the ceiling fan. And also his mom thrown against the couch and splayed out with glass fragments and definitely dead for a long time. Um, he stood there, he blinked, he kind of shr like shrugged it off and then... Whenever he opened up his eyes, his mom and dad were doing the same thing that they had been doing for a while. 
which is uh, the dad hanging up Christmas decorations and the mom asleep. And the dad mentioned something about uh, St. Nick not coming by yet. And he's stopping to he's doing the finishing touches on the decorations. He had to go to school for reasons. Uh, he says that there was a program enrollment that he did. Uh, and then he opens up the locker. He screams. He like a bunch of people turn to look at him. And in the locker now is Sarah, the girl that he wanted to ask out. Oh, did we? Oh, did we mention that he asked the ghost for to help him to help him with girl troubles? Yeah. Uh. So that okay. was when she lost her smile. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a nice brief story, which I'm uh, always looking for in in a in a creepy pasta. Um, Shane, how did this one strike you? Did you enjoy this? Uh, what did it feel like? Because I I felt real weird afterwards. I didn't really know what what. Uh, Same. Like what I, I didn't really uh, get it at first. I didn't grasp the whole. Oh, his parents are actually dead, and he's been failing every test, and he's been like, uh, rose cut tinted glasses kind of fog. Um, I thought, like, oh, he's just seeing illusions of his parents are dead. They're really just hanging Christmas lights, and he just saw an illusion of... Yeah. Uh, I felt like the girl in the locker was actually doing all this cool stuff, like fixing his grades when he wasn't there. Yeah, I guess the reality is probably that his parents are dead, and Sarah has been stuffed in his locker for, like, a week, but... Uh, there's so much other weird, unexplainable, like, why was he, why did he have to stay after school? Is that when he killed Sarah, maybe? Or, like, why was he in school on Christmas? Was it Christmas? Or was that just his uh, disordered mind's excuse for why his dad was hanging? So, um, so this is something that kind of bothers me about this story. In a, Go ahead. For No Sleep, it's supposed to be, you know... Someone who obviously this person is the one who's posting it because it's my best friend in ninth grade. Um, and so this person's on supposedly telling the story and the parents are obviously dead and they obviously Sarah is killed. And yet this person was still the best friend. Like it, there's like a lot of kind of oddities about like, oh, my mind was hazy and like people don't usually introspect that much of like oh yeah. my mind was hazy and yet this that, and the other and i really wish that they would have um whenever they wrote this uh i wish it was from someone else's perspective like uh so the the idea that i had was like what about if it was like a lawyer who was taking a statement from this kid and like you could have right. the story the exact same uh, like, yeah, I'm breaking an NDA. Here's a kid I'm working with because it's very spooky. I'm going to share it with you. No sleep. Yeah. Like it, it would have been so much more. It, you could have easily said like, yeah, the kid said he didn't remember or whatever. Like have like a third party like reading this. And then at the very end, because I didn't even catch that the parents were dead. Like on the first glance, I didn't realize that like the parents died when the glass shattered on the first night. 
because... Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that explains the glass shattering. I just kind of dismissed that detail. Yeah, so it's like this one, it's a throwaway line at the very beginning, and they like don't mention it ever again. And so like I didn't even notice it the first time I read it. I had to read it a few times. Um, and so I figured yeah, I just if at the very too. end... Oh, go ahead. I said, I just missed it too until you pointed out that the mother was covered in glass in his like first little illusion or I guess glimpse into reality. Yeah. So I would have wished that like the lawyer at the very end would have said like, and the autopsy report shows that they've been dead for a few months or like what, like how the hell did this kid survive? Like something like that to. Yeah. It's very difficult to do a no sleep story and have it be the narrator of the story be a, person who is out of their mind and relating something that happened a long time ago because if you're doing this as like hey i'm cool now but i had this break with reality when i was a kid that would be one thing but the story is written as if it's happening in real time like that that sort of um what is the there's a specific literary term in media rest of yeah, uh, yeah, no, not that. The idea that, like, a story is happening now whenever you're reading it. Not, uh, in media res is for, like, when you're jumping into the middle of the action right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's this, I know there's a term for it, I just can't think of it, of this, like, literary immediacy. Uh, like, the difference between a, um, a book that is explicitly like here i am telling you about the past and a book that is like this was or a story rather that is like this one where it is the conceit in the title is that he's telling you about the past but the um the actual story reads as if like this is happening to me as you're reading it which is very yeah. odd. Yeah. Do you, does that make sense that I explain that concept? Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I get like if you go read the story, it's it's definitely written in such a way that like this is currently happening to me, and I'm not telling you the story of this. This is like today, right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. Which is very weird for a no sleep story about something that happened to you when you were a kid. Yeah. Actually, I think they changed tense halfway through the story like they they were like my mind was in a haze even though they i don't know it kind of bothers me that that was like one of the things that kind of felt odd about the story yeah a lot of the some of the writing and word choice kind of pulled me out like at one point it's like this is i'm assuming like it should have been older like an older man telling the story but it felt like he was the kid telling it himself like we were saying so when they had the line of, I had neurons fired that should never have been fired. It's like, that doesn't sound like a kid or any kind of person. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's got a lot of strong ideas in it. Like, um, the title is a good hook and the image of this like ghost corpse in a locker feels almost like uh we've covered we've covered a bunch of japanese urban legends on the show and a lot of them are very much like uh the spirit you encounter is this dead person and uh there's a specific set of rules for interacting with a dead person, and if you step outside of those boundaries bad things will happen to you. Oh, yeah, I was and- waiting, sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it it definitely, like, if you remove the uh, unreliable narrator aspect, it could be a straightforward story about, like, the locker ghost and how if you, uh, if you upset the locker ghost, she'll, uh, she'll kill your girlfriend. But because we have this unreliable narrator layer on top of it also, it becomes this weird other thing where we're not sure if this locker ghost is just something his mind created out of whole cloth, or if it's an illusion he was using to cover up an actual dead body in his locker, or, like, what's going on. I know, like, the entire time I was waiting for, like, Japanese monster girl, for this girl to just spider crawl out of the locker and start doing something like horrific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's one another part like so this immediately pulled me out. The like third sentence of the story describes uh it says you see my area was notorious for being loud at night, disco parties, car alarms going off, that sort of thing. You don't play what? disco in the middle of the night? <laughs> yeah. It definitely like, setting it in the past. It it feels like either this person does not know what parties are or maybe it's uh like an english as a second language type of thing um cuz or uh yeah cuz like a club would be called a discotheque in english in like every other country if you are learning english from a dictionary rather than from how people talk it so that could be like i just want to know why they called it disco parties i've never heard anyone refer to even a party that is like in the disco era or disco themed as a disco party <laughs> uh yeah that's what i'm saying yeah. like just certain phrases or how they describe things at times would pull me out of the story. Yeah. So that's why uh, I was saying, like, if it was framed, you could have, like, if this was, like, an audio recording of, like, some in interview or something, you could have the unreliable narrator, but then, like, I just want the closure. Like, I want that closure of, like, yeah, we found, like, his handprints, like, around the girl's neck or something. Like, some, like, he yeah. killed him or, like, something else killed them. Because uh, this this yeah. kid is obviously currently living and currently doesn't think it's weird that like this girl, <laughs> it, especially because he says it's my best friend, like that that pulled me yeah. out of it. It's like how we don't we don't see a lot of their like nice conversations. It's just like he goes and makes wishes at his locker ghost. Yeah, you don't even see like yeah, it's my best friend who happened to kill the girl that I wanted to date. Like, yeah. did you keep talking to her after that? I I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's we we've we covered a a really good story a long time ago on the show called Psychosis, and in that story, uh, what I wished was that the prologue didn't exist because the whole point of the story is you don't know whether the narrator is insane or whether the narrator is actually under assault from some kind of otherworldly force and then there's a little uh epilogue did i say i might have said prologue before then there's a little epilogue that's like by the way he's not insane he's right there's an alien torturing him and it's like hmm, this would have been a much stronger story without that but for this story i feel like the opposite is true i wanted like all these mysteries are set up and then we get no answers but 
it's not a compelling or interesting mystery. It's just left me confused rather than creeped out. And I just want a little epilogue that's like, maybe even from another perspective, just telling what actually happened. Mm-hmm. I definitely, it, I think a lot of the framing as well could have been changed, like not the framing of the story, but like there were details that the fact that all three of us read this story and I don't think a single one of us caught the fact that like the mom died on the first night because of the glass. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good detail, but it's, it's so quick at the beginning. And because we don't have that little epilogue explaining it, all we'd have is glass and a dead person. And those are not things that you would immediately connect. Like, you don't just die from touching glass. You don't, like, touch a window and it explodes and kills you. Like, I, I want to know what happened to drive the glass into her body. Even Even if it wasn't that, if they just kept reminding you. So, like, he keeps saying, like, oh, yeah, I went to bed and then I woke up. Like, if there was, like... Every night he went to sleep, like, he had a nightmare about glass breaking or something. Like, something to, like, yeah. keep that detail in the forefront of your mind. Yeah, like, maybe he steps on a piece of glass. Like, he feels it crunch under his foot, but then he looks and there's nothing there. Yeah, something that like that. kind of thing. A- anything like that at all would have made me keep remembering that piece of detail. Or at least don't have it as, like, one sentence at the very beginning. Because it was like, oh, there was a glass and then a shout and then that was it. It's like, if you went into detail, like, obviously, if you're glossing over it, I'm not going to pay attention to it. But if you, like, described the sound in detail, like, if you, if you like, flourished the words a little bit and talked about, like, how, uh, like, how it cracked or, like, all the sounds that you hear after it. Yeah, the, like, because when you hear shattering glass... It's not always immediately obvious that it was shattering glass. You'll hear an impact and then the sort of aftermath and the glass hitting the floor. And it's like, it's a whole series of sounds. So I I think you're right that expounding upon, expanding, saying more about the shatter, like instead of just saying, that didn't really scare me, but what did get me was the sound of glass shattering, screaming followed, then silence. That's not it. Like my enough. yeah, my eyes like just glossed over it. There, <laughs> I will applaud the author's attempt at subtlety, but they were definitely being too subtle with the like the hints. Yeah, especially I because think... the guy had such a visual with the girl crammed in the locker. Like that kind of yeah. upset me. Yeah, you either have to give enough hints that it's easy to put together what actually happened uh, as a reader, or you need to put in a little epilogue where another character just explains what happened, which is why Mike's idea for like a lawyer or police officer te- like being the, the poster, in quotes, uh, of the story would, would be, uh, it would give you a little more freedom as an author. Um, but I mean, we can't really, oh, I think I looked up, like I found an archived version of this and the author was listed as cryo frozen. Not that that matters since their Reddit is, uh, their Reddit account is deleted, but they had, uh, their own subreddit that's, uh, cryo spelled with an O, but frozen spelled with a zero instead of an O. Um, it was like, there were like five stories on, r slash cryo frozen 
um, all by a deleted account or deleted accounts, uh, which I assume were all of this person's account that they deleted, but they did not delete the subreddit named after them. So, yeah. Uh, so what's the spookiest part of this story? Shane, you first. I think the spookiest part of the story for me, when I realized it, is uh, him having the glimpse of reality and seeing his hanging, like his suicidal father and his dead mother, and just being like, "Oh no, it's okay. It's actually just Christmas." <laughs> like yeah. he'd rather believe the lie, and he doesn't question that his father's hanging Christmas lights for days. <laughs> I think that's the creepiest yeah. part for me. Uh, Mike, what about you? What's this, what's your spookiest part? So I guess I play too many um, video games like Dead Space and stuff. But like when the description of the girl was happening, I had a very vivid image in my head. Like, uh, like if I was able to draw, I would draw this image because it's just so just graphic and gory that I was yeah. I like felt a little sick. I'm like, I, I'm not going to think about that anymore. Like, I don't push that out of my head. Yeah, it's because it's the description of the locker is good, uh, tiny, about the size of a torso, and then you're immediately like set a little on your on edge there, and then the description of her body, which I won't read here because, as you said, it's a little gruesome. Um, it's so it's like. It's like that's the first thing they thought of, of like, wouldn't it be spooky if there was the, like, mangled ghost of of a girl in a locker? And then I, it feels like they built the whole story around that image, because that is definitely the uh, strongest bit of writing in here. Um, I think for me, the... Um, the... It's hard to say because overall the story's just not that spooky. It's a um, strong concept, like very strong it, concept. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just like I've said it before and I'll probably say it again, but these stories are usually just like written in one draft and posted because they're just for fun. Uh and that's Fine, it's total. I have no problem with people writing that way, but because what we do here is a sort of literary criticism, I have to, I have to treat it as if it's a like fully realized work, and part of that means thinking this story would be stronger if the person just did their one draft that. I think this is, and then went back like a week later and read it like as a reader and like tweaked things to be like, uh, this isn't clear. I could expand more here. I could cut this, that kind of thing. Um, it just needed like another pass or two and it would have been way better. But again, I want to couch that in saying it's like, it's fine to not do that. You don't, have to writing creepypastas put like a ton of work and effort into it. You can just quick write something because it's got a good scare and you want to share it with people because the entire point of the no sleep community is just people trying to scare each other for fun. So, uh, I guess I would say that 
My spookiest part is the moment when he upsets the locker girl. Um, not like because you know something's bad going to, is going to happen, but uh, there was no indication before before he did this. There was no indication that the ghost was at all malicious. But definitely as soon as he mentions there being a girl he likes, I'm like, oh, that ghost isn't going to like that, and she doesn't. And, like, the um, the wide smile disappears, and that's that was, I, I thought, a really effective turn, but that is also an element from the story that this wasn't that I wanted it to be, which was like a Japanese urban legend ghost story type of thing. Um, let's move on to plugs. Shane, do you have anything that you would like our audience to know about or, uh, where they can reach you? Oh, sure. You can, uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm, uh, at AngelicFiend13, or you can look at my, uh, art Instagram, which is Caffeinated Sloths. Mike, how about you? Uh, I don't have a Twitter or anything, but I feel... Oh, no, I do, actually. It's, uh... I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Editor's note. Mike's Twitter handle is now Overlooked Mike. Cool. Uh... I don't even follow you on there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you I didn't can, know of it course, existed. <laughs> find me in the normal places. J3FK on Twitter. JeffJK on Instagram. Patreon.com slash JeffJK. What, one thing I like to post on there is, um readings of stories that we cover and it seems likely that i would post these two stories because they're nice and short uh i have managed to get every month reading like two audio things and a written thing i haven't like skipped any months um and i've also always gotten my mail out sometimes it it sends out on the last day of the month so (laughs) you'll get your february letter or package uh in march uh But for $10, I'll send you a little uh, handwritten letter. Sometimes I throw a a Steam code on there for an extra game that I have sitting in my Humble Bundle library. Uh, For $15, I'll send you some comic books, because I have a lot of comic books that I want to get rid of. Um, And, oh, here's how it works. You'll get immediate access for $1 a month or more uh, to all of the digital stuff, but... I won't send you the things until you're charged. So if you sign up, uh, the recording, this is coming out on March 15th. So if you sign up, no, actually this is coming out on March 8th. Yeah. So if you sign up now, you won't be charged right away. Your first charge will be April 1st. And if you get charged that 10 or $15 on April 1st, then uh, so sometime in April I will send to you the physical package. So it's it's sort of um, like you're paying and then I send it to you. <laughs> uh, just in case... I, I haven't had any problems with people being confused about that, but I, I just want to clarify in case anyone wants to back me on there that that's how it works. But also, if you just want to give a dollar a month, that would be great too, because if everyone listening gave a dollar a month, then I would be much less stressed out about my current job search, which is going poorly. Um, anyway, that's all we have for this episode. It would be, gosh, really good to find a 
uh, ending line. Uh, yeah, sure, let's go with this one. I went to school, dismissing what I saw. My head was still acting up, after all. Minor hallucinations, see? Thank you.